Welcome to Retina Health for Life from the President's Corner, brought to you by the American Society of Retina Specialists. I'm your host, Dr. Tim Murray, coming to you from Miami. On each episode, we'll bring you inspiring conversations about your sight and the special role the retina plays in making healthy vision possible. We'll hear from expert retina specialists, as well as directly from patients about living life to the fullest with retinal disease. Join us and learn how to safeguard your retina health for life. Hello, I'm Dr. Tim Murray. And on this episode, we'll discuss how imaging technologies have advanced retinal care. And it is a real pleasure to welcome one of my fellow retina specialists, but also a friend and colleague, Dr. Christina Wang, who is a professor at the Cullen Eye Institute of the Baylor College of Medicine. Christina, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. It's really a pleasure. So in, in the last 10 years, this last decade, I think we've seen a revolution in retinal imaging that has really advanced our ability for both diagnosis, management, and treatment of retinal conditions. And it's really those new technologies that have given us these new availabilities to evaluate and care for our patients that I'd like to talk together with you today. So um, what, Christina, from your perspective, do you think is the, is the single greatest advent in imaging that has taken place in the field of retina for the retina specialists for our patients? Well, the way I would phrase it, Tim, is if I were stranded on an island and I could only have one imaging modality, that would have to be OCT, which stands for Optical Coherence Tomography. I mean, this has completely revolutionized our field. It's such an amazing technology, and it's hard to believe how we were able to practice without it. If you've been to a retina specialist, you've probably had this done, but this is a very quickly acquired form of imaging, no radiation or anything like that, a quick snapshot. And it gives us so much information showing us the detailed structure of the retina and allows us to diagnose and follow diseases like diabetic retinopathy, like macular degeneration and epiretinal membrane, some of our most common disease states. Yeah, so I think that is the, the, the right answer to stranded on a desert island. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm old enough that I practiced before we had optical coherence tomography, and it was amazing that we would put contact lenses on the patient's yeah. eyes and we'd look through the slit lamp, and, and it, there was really an art to that. And I think that when this technology was developed, it was really um, a technology that leveled the playing field for retina specialists. So we all became sort of the best diagnostic evaluator of the retina. And to me, when I was able to see those first images, Christina, that literally looked like the, the, what we saw in the pathology laboratory looking through the microscope and having that level of detail, um, it, it was shocking um, to be able to see that in a living person's eye um, and be able to acquire those images literally in minutes. Absolutely. I completely agree. And it, it's used for so many different applications, but one of its critical uses is not just for a diagnosis but also for guiding our management. I mean, you and I give many, many injections over the course of a single day for many different disease states. I mean, those types of drugs have revolutionized what we can do for our patients in terms of treatment. But the OCT is so critical in helping us make those decisions on a patient by patient and visit by visit basis. Yeah, I, I think that as much as the images are beautiful, it's really the information that they convey to us that allows us to guide our therapy that's so key. So. Um, I think that you and I both have access to some amazing technology. So 
OCT is, is one of those components. Um, what do you think has been the advance in, in photography for fundus imaging where we take pictures of the retina with color? Um, can you take us through what you think are the, the significant advances in that region? Absolutely, Tim. So fundus photography is our oldest form of imaging in retina, but it doesn't mean that we haven't made great strides over the past several decades, and we certainly have. I'll talk a little bit more about uh, I'll talk a little bit more about telemedicine in just a moment because I think that's such a critical element to be able to provide those types of services. But just speaking in general, it's exactly how it sounds. We're taking a picture of the back of the eye, the retina, which is what I described to my pa patients as sort of the film in a camera. But it's so much more than that because it allows us to see levels of detail that you might not see with the human eye, believe it or not, even if you put a contact lens on. And some of the advances that we have made in the field of fundus photography is, A, the resolution has gotten better and better with each different variation of our equipment and machines that we have. And then second, we have something now called ultra-wide field imaging. So you'll remember, I'm sure, Tim, that before we have, we could only capture little bits of the retina at a time, and we'd have to montage or put together those small patches of retina all together to see the entirety of the back of the eye. And now it's so amazing. We've got these amazing lenses and optical systems that allow us in one capture to see the entire retina. And I'm sure you understand, and you know, I do mostly general retina, surgical retina. You do that too, but you also specialize in ocular oncology and tumors and pediatric retina. And there's so much disease in all of these diseases and conditions that happen in the periphery of the retina that are so much better visualized now with the advances we've made with fundus photography. I think it's amazing because our, our patients know that we're, we're strong believers in, in having the pupil dilated so that we can look. And historically, the best imaging of the patient's eye with the retina specialist was with the indirect ophthalmoscope on our head and using the, the condensing lens and the ability to look around. But that was an uncomfortable exam and it required that the eye be pushed on and, and depressed. And these ultra wide field technologies are, are just unbelievable. I mean, the ability to see literally from the front to the back of the eye um, in a single capture, I, I think is, is incredible. And the other thing I think that has been really interesting for us is that, you know, we're using less and less of this in our clinics, but I'm using more and more of this now in the OR is fluorescein angiography. Could you tell us a little bit about fluorescein angiography and its advantages in wide field imaging? Absolutely. So fluorescein angiography is one of the more invasive, if you will, types of imaging that we do have. It does require putting in a dye into the arm where you normally would take blood. And then as that dye circulates through the body and the eye, the photographer captures images of the back of the eye, but it tells us a wealth of different information about how the blood is flowing to the retina, and that's critical to its function. So it's great that we have this technology to be able to see this. It's not just important for diagnostics, but it is also important for guidance of different therapies uh, for tumors, for diabetic retinopathy. And so it's another very important tool that I think we don't use as much perhaps nowadays, but still is very valuable in many situations. It's interesting how that used to be used virtually on every patient yes. at Bascom Palmer in the clinic with Dr. Gass and, and uh, Dr. Curtin, our retina specialist. And, and literally now I think we, we rarely employ it at all. 
And one of the advances that I think that we're moving toward as we do this is we want to get faster imaging. We use digital capture just like your, your, your cell phone um, and your digital cameras now so that we have great resolution. Um, and at the same time, we, we are getting sort of the ability to look farther and farther out. And one of the more interesting technologies that I think is the future, which will likely in many ways replace fluorescein angiography, is what's called OCT angiography. Could you tell our, our audience a little about that? Absolutely, Tim. So OCTA stands for OCT angiography, and it's essentially a marriage of the capabilities of OCT, which we discussed, shows you great in great detail the structure of the retina, but it also has some components that are, are, uh, allow us to see the vascular structure of the retina as well. So it's sort of like a foreseeing angiography combined with an OCT, if you will. Not exactly the same, but there are many advantages of OCTA over having these two separate modalities. First of all, it's non-invasive, as you said. It's a single snapshot, so patients don't have to have dye injected. You minimize the risk of the, uh, although they're very rare, they can happen, some adverse events. And I think that being able to segment the retina layer by layer and see the vasculature in such great detail that we're able to do with OCTA is unbelievable, especially since you can acquire these images in a matter of minutes. What I will say is I do think that we're still learning about how to incorporate OCTA into our daily practices. It's not completely widespread in terms of its use yet because I think we're still exploring what certain findings mean, what they should, how they should affect the way we manage our patients in various diseases, but I'm sure we'll get there. I think it's a very, very valuable tool, like you said, Tim, and as we learn more about it, we will incorporate it more and more into the care of our patients. And I'll, I'll just mention briefly too, just for all of these different imaging modalities, and it's such an exciting time in retina because we are making such rapid progress. One thing I really like that we don't talk enough about, I think, is I love using all of these also for patient education. So for instance, when I share with my patients a picture of their fundus that I took with my fundus camera, they can actually see with their own eyes what the drusen in their macular degeneration looks like and what those little hemorrhages in their diabetic retinopathy look like. And I think that's very valuable in not only helping them understand what's happening to their own bodies and in their eye, but I really think it's a great motivator. It incentivizes them to be able to follow with me those images and make the appropriate changes in terms of receiving treatment or lifestyle modifications so that they can see improvement over time. You know, Christina, we, one, of the, one of the things that's remarkable, I think, about uh, the retina specialist is we see premature infants and people that are centenarians. And, you know, my yeah. oldest patient is 104 and my youngest patient um, really shouldn't be born for another six weeks. So we, we see that huge range of ages. Um, but we see them over and over and over again. And what I find is that because we display the imaging to our patients just like you do, they are getting really good at reading their own <laughs> images. Yeah. And I'll walk in the room and there's the last visit and there's this visit and my patient will go, hey, I look great. Maybe I don't need to have an intravitreal injection today, which is never true, of course, but they're always <laughs> hopeful. I was just going to say, I have the exact same experience, Tim. It's really interesting how good they can get at detecting some of those subtleties. Yeah. 
And then, you know, I, I think a lot of what has happened too is that the technology starts first in our adult patients and then moves to our pediatric patients. So much of what we're talking about now, none of that existed in the operating room and none of it was really available to our most at risk, you know, young infants that we take care of. Um, but really we're seeing all of that technology now translate into the operating room. So one of the things I found fascinating is being able to use the OCT in the operating microscope as I operate on patients. Have you had the opportunity to do that also? I have, Tim, and I'll tell you, I think it's quite remarkable that now we can take what I think is the most valuable imaging tool, if I had to pick one, and bring it with me as I go operate on someone's eye. It's nice to, of course, have that in the clinic to make diagnoses and follow patients, like I mentioned earlier, but it's extremely useful to have at your fingertips in real time while you're operating on somebody. And that can be as some, something as basic as an epiretinal membrane, but it can also apply to some of the rare and complex surgeries that we do. We're one of the sites that performs Veritagena Parvovec, which is the US's first FDA-approved subretinal gene therapy. And it's used to treat patients with inherited retinal diseases, or more specifically, an RPE65-associated retinal dystrophy. And what we do essentially in those surgeries to deliver the gene therapy is that we put the drug underneath the retina. And that's a, that's a tough space to visualize. And so one of my favorite applications of IOCT or intraoperative OCT is for cases like that. So I can really know exactly where I'm placing that drug. And uh, it's been remarkable. It's easy to use. It's integrated right into the microscope. And I think as we you know, continue to have more and more therapies that we may put into that space because gene therapy is definitely one of the burgeoning areas in retina. I think that more and more of us will find that type of imaging modality to be useful and use it more frequently. Yeah, so, so one of the things I think both of us agree is that this, these technologies benefit us with every single patient we see and they drive much of the care. So we've spent a lot of time talking about the new therapeutics the anti-VEGF drugs and the use of um, steroid delivered into the eye and intravitreal injections. But, but much of that therapy really is almost impossible to individualize to a patient without OCT. And I think that's really what I also see is we're really moving to this personalized medicine approach for our patients where we can really take care of each patient uniquely and individually based on how they look and how they respond. I continue to be amazed by that. I completely agree. And I, I think you're right about the personalized approach. And you know, one of the things that I think is really neat that uh, the field is working on, Tim, is home OCT technology. Taking that OCT machine that sits in your and my offices and being able to uh, create a smaller, more portable version of that that's easy to use, simplified, and still able to provide us with that important information. But now the patient might be able to sit in the corner of their bedroom or dining room and really allow us to get those images, even though we might not be in the same office together. And I right. think that we've really realized, I think, the importance of that, given the current circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic, more than ever, I really feel like getting smaller, getting portable, increasing accessibility for all these technologies is very critical. So I completely agree. And, and I think one of the things that's, that's really, I think, going to push that even further is, you know, we're, we're all talking about artificial intelligence and how there's a capacity and a potential for images to be interpreted. And there's probably not a better field 
um, than retina for the retina specialist where there's an opportunity to use artificial intelligence to enhance our ability to take care of our patients. So I find that kind of exciting and that coupled with home OCT may allow us the best immediate access to our patients when something has changed in a way that would need to be treated. Absolutely. And it sounds like science fiction a little bit, but we're already there. I mean, we already have an FDA approved form of AI or artificial intelligence to be applied in a telemedicine setting where patients fundus photos are taken and you don't need a person to sit there and interpret them. The machine can do that in a very reliable way. But what I think is very cool is sort of going beyond that, beyond just diagnostics, which AI is great for but going to a level where we can now prognosticate. So imagine you take a fundus photo and they can tell you what your risk of blindness is going to be in 20 years, or they can even take a look at one of your images and let you know if there are systemic diseases going on, your risk of developing Alzheimer's as you age. I mean, the possibilities are endless. We're not there yet, I want to emphasize, but I do think as we continue to learn more and active research is happening in this area, I mean, it's going to be a new world and a very, very cool field, even more cool than it is now to practice in. It's pretty cool to practice in now. You know, I think that um, for our patients, the, the ability to be more active in their care by seeing what's going on through the course of, of, of their treatment is really, really critical. And, you know, I think that that's going to continue to play sort of a big role for us. With the pandemic, many of our patients, as you know, were very concerned about weighing their risk of, of COVID-19 infection versus, you know, the need to be able to see the retina specialist. And we were all frontline providers. We saw patients throughout the entire pandemic. But I think that this concept of remote imaging gained a lot of traction during the pandemic because patients may have felt more comfortable to go to a location where they could have their pictures taken without having to be in a hospital setting or a hospital clinic setting. Did you get to have any opportunity to experience that? Absolutely. I think most of us around the country were in the same boat here at Baylor. We actually were, uh, you know, we had to limit the number of patients we saw a day, especially in the early spring, just to be able to respect some of the regulations like social distancing, et cetera. We weren't able to see our normal volume. And that made it really tough. And I really like what you mentioned earlier. You know, our patients are in general quite elderly. They fall into that highest risk category where if they were to contract COVID-19, it could result in some serious illness, possibly even death. And so those are very tough decisions, both for the provider as well as the patient. And I could totally understand that fear in trying to decide, do I want to take a risk with my eyes or do I want to take a risk and potentially catch a, a very serious or potentially deadly virus? And so definitely, I think all of us, whether you had experience before or not, really try to incorporate telemedicine as part of what we were doing to help get us through those very, very tough months. I mean, we're st it's still an ongoing pandemic. It's not over, but I hope that we're over the, the biggest hump of it. I know our volumes have started to normalize back to what they were before, uh, but we definitely used a lot of it and continue to do so for, for many of our patients who have actually grown fond of using that type of service. But I will say that one of the challenges that I've heard, and, and I'd be interested in hearing your opinion about this, Tim, too, was it was difficult in some circumstances. We don't have home OCT in most homes at this time yet. It's not yet widely available. 
And we also don't have a great way of capturing fundus photography. Those machines are large and expensive, and they're in our offices, which patients weren't able to come to during that period of time. So I felt like sometimes one of the challenges was when they would call me and say, hey, Dr. Wang, I'm having a little bit of a change in vision. I don't feel comfortable coming in. Could you help guide me and help me assess what, uh, whether or not I should make the trip in or not? It was hard just to use their anecdotes and, and measure, you know, and try to capture their symptoms in that way without some type of imaging. And so going back to what we discussed earlier about home OCT, smartphone-based fundus photography, I think all of these developing technologies will be so critical in making this type of service more feasible and, and allowing us to provide the best care in this way, even though it might be remote. Yeah, I think that a lot of, you know, our, our colleagues outside of retina were able to have telemedicine visits that just required the patient to interact with them. Um, I think we're so focused on imaging and the importance of following what the retina looks like and how it is functioning and how it's responded. So we really pushed hard in almost the majority of our patients that, that had a risk of losing vision that they should be seen. So we were always happy to talk to our patients on sort of that routine follow-up if they had a question. But if there was a symptomatic change or if these were patients that had required ongoing treatment, even in the face of the pandemic, we had them come in. But what we did was to streamline the imaging so that we were very focused on getting just what we needed for those patients to move them in and then treat them and then, and then have them out again. So I think even when we had to see patients in our retina specialty offices, which we all did, I think we we're able to accommodate that. The future may be exactly as you've said. If you have a good quality home OCT, maybe maybe that won't be necessary. And some of the newest technology that I find really exciting is is coupling that ultra wide field fundus photography with an OCT yes. in in a single in a single platform. That's probably where I see the future going because I want the fundus picture for the color, but I really want the OCT for the microscopic detail to guide me in treatment. Do you see that also? Absolutely, that's like top of my wish list in terms of telemedicine, Tim. It's a dream come true. I mean, right now what we have with our teleretinal screening system, which we have in our county for screening for diabetic retinopathy, is we have a non-midriatic fundus camera. And that works very well. We have done a lot of study and a lot of work in that area. And it shows that even though you're capturing just the central area of the retina, it's still very accurate in terms of being able to pick up diabetic retinopathy. But definitely you and I, I'm sure both agree that the more you can image in that one capture, the more information you're going to have. And one of the findings we had from our teleretinal work is that even though these two-dimensional fundus photographs are great at picking up diabetic retinopathy, picking up some of the other pathologies like diabetic macular edema, which is also a very common cause of vision loss amongst our diabetic patients. And of course, there's other things like macular degeneration and epiretinal membrane. Those things are often missed because they don't project very well necessarily on just a two-dimensional photograph. And OCT really can help pick up those subtleties. So I would love wide, wide field fundus photography in combination with OCT. I mean, imagine if we could get that integrated and then looking beyond to the next level, make that accessible somehow for an average household to be able to afford, make it easy to use so that our 90-year-old patients would be able to capture those images in a reliable way. It would really change the way we work, the way we function with our patients and reduce treatment 
and visit burden for them, which would have a really big impact, I think, for a lot of our patients. I think the component of integrating remote imaging with an artificial intelligence platform may, may really enhance the opportunity to broaden the patient's access to the retina specialist. Mm-hmm. So um, I know you've done some really wonderful work looking in underserved areas and, and looking, you know, it, it still shocks me that so many of our at-risk diabetic patients um, don't ever get to be seen and evaluated with a dilated fundus exam. And literally without that, it's almost impossible to know what the status of, of their retinal disease is. And often, as you and I both know, we, we will see retinal disease in the patient that portends disease in other organ systems before it's detectable. So I'm really looking for the opportunity to have a broader opportunity to image our patients, maybe in their diabetologist's office, maybe in their gerontologist's office, maybe in their primary care provider's office. Um, so, so to me, that's a big part of that future, coupling it with both the fundus photography and, and the OCT, and maybe the OCT angiography so we don't have to inject a dye in our patients any longer. Um, anything else exciting for you in the future that we can look for from an imaging perspective? Well, I think you covered a lot of great things that are in development. I think that the incorporation of artificial intelligence is really a really big umbrella theme that can help us in multiple modalities of uh, the images that we use in order to function. There's one other type of imaging that people probably haven't heard a lot about yet called hyperspectral imaging that I'm really excited about. Now, whether or not that will come to fruition, we'll see because it's in earlier stages of development, but it's a way of essentially capturing data and across a, a continuous spectrum of wavelengths, but it allows us to uh, get different information from what our current imaging modalities offer. So you can say, see things like oxygenation levels within the vessels. You can do a biochemical composition analysis of what's in the retina, different crystalline deposits and things like that. So, And they've even used it and applied it to potentially detecting preclinical Alzheimer's disease. So I think that's another area that I'm really excited to see um, in the future. And then, of course, like you alluded to, really just making a lot of these OCT and fundus imaging modalities, not just combining them, but making them accessible and affordable to people to use outside of the office as well, I think will make such a big impact in the future for the way we're able to care for our patients. I think it's been an exciting decade. I think I've seen more change in the field of of retina for the retina specialist treating patients in the last decade than than I had seen in the two decades before. So fascinating time to be practicing. And it's a real pleasure to have you join us. So I'd like to thank Dr. Christina Wang from the Cullen Eye Institute at Baylor College of Medicine for joining us. And for our patients, um, hopefully you'll find some benefit to this. And when you're in your retina specialist office, you'll be able to identify the testing you're having And I also think you can have the opportunity to explore that a little more on ASRS.org for patients um, for more information. And we also have uh, Facebook and Twitter. So we look forward to our patients having as much information to guide their ability to help us take care of them. So thank you, Christina. Thanks for having me, Tim.